The AAPA conference is coming up May 18th through 22nd in Houston. I'm so sad that I will not be there, but some of my favorite people will be. So I want to make sure that y'all know who to look out for. So if you're heading down to the conference, make sure you go by the Blueprint and Rosh Review table. They're giving away all kinds of stuff stethoscopes, seats in the review course. They're talking about how Rosh Review has joined Blueprint and what that looks like. But definitely go stop by, say hi, get some swag, tell them I said hello, uh, and it'll be a really good time. I'm sure y'all will have an awesome time in Houston. Make sure you go to Torchy's Tacos, my absolute favorite, and spend some time in the exhibit hall exploring we know that I love Rosh Review um, by Blueprint, and they have so many great resources. So whether you're looking for QBanks, pants review courses, now is the time. And usually there's some special stuff, so go check it out. For episode 28, we have a very special interview with Laura Francisco, fellow PA and creator of Metalita. Welcome to the Pre-PA Club podcast. If you want to learn how to become a physician assistant, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Savannah Perry. Let's get to it. Hey guys, I am Savannah and I am the host of the Pre-PA Club podcast. Thank you so, so much for joining me and for listening in and I am so excited about today's episode and I have a big announcement for you guys. So before we get into our interview, um... I wanted to let you know that within the next couple of weeks, I have a book coming out about interviews. So I'm really excited about this. It's called the Physician Assistant School Interview Guide. Real creative, I know. But it's going to help answer a lot of your questions and help you feel more prepared for the interview. Up until now, there has only been one other book available for interviews, and it's the same book that I used almost 10 years ago. Things have changed so much in the last 10 years that the strategies that I used won't work for you today, um, or at least not as well. So I put a lot of the advice, the questions, all kinds of stuff into this book, and I'll put a link in the notes or the description of the episode so you can go check that out, and I'll give you an update once it's available on Amazon and on my website. So I'm really excited about that. Um... CASPA opens in almost a month, a little over a month, so that's pretty crazy. If you are applying this cycle, I'd love to hear from you and hear how you're doing, and if you are working on your personal statement, make sure you check out my PA resource. I edit for them. We're starting to get a lot of essays because it is that time. It's crunch time, so you've got to be on it if you want to get your essays or your applications in early, so you can use the code PREPAClub at checkout to get a discount, and they have a really great free workshop, so make sure you take the time to do that. Now for today's episode, and if you are listening to this in real time, you are in luck because In addition to the podcast episode, we get to do a giveaway. So the giveaway is going to be hosted on Instagram. If you've never heard of Metalita, it is a PA, a company that was started by a PA, Laura Francisco, who we're about to hear from, and they make high quality medical wear. So what started with scrubs now includes lab coats, scrub jackets, under scrub, all kinds of stuff, stethoscopes. Just really high quality, nice looking stuff that's very durable and it's going to last a long time. 
I first found out about Metalita at my job because it was what my supervising physician wore. So once I started wearing it, that's basically all I wear. And I am one of their ambassadors now. So that means sometimes I'll do blog posts for them and things like that. So I'll link to those as well in the descriptions if you want to see some of the articles I've done. But this was a really great interview for a couple reasons. A lot of people ask me if they go to PA school, can they still pursue other things they're interested in and other passions? And there are a lot of PAs out there who are also entrepreneurs in different areas. PAs are go-getters. I mean, if you meet someone who's a PA, they tend to be somebody who makes things happen. So if you're on Instagram, you may have heard back a while in a different episode, I did an interview with um, Jesse from episode number 23, and he has a skincare line, and he really helps kind of run his practice. If you're on Instagram, Andrea from Life as a PA, she has all kinds of side hustles. She's making t-shirts and has websites that help spread the knowledge about different medical professions with med takeovers. Erin um, from The Treatment, she has her own practice doing cosmetic dermatology out in California, which is so cool. So there are things you can do and ways that you can step up your game as a PA. But let's hear from Laura, and then I think you guys are just really going to enjoy this. It was such a, cool, such a cool interview. I learned so much. So let's get to it. I'm just so impressed by everything you've done with Metalita, and I'm really excited to hear your story and happy that Ariel kind of connected us. So... I'm really yeah. excited about that, but it's funny, when I started working, um, mm-hmm. so I've been a PA for three years now, and so mm-hmm. when I started working, I was at a derm office, and I remember they gave me my little scrub allowance, and I went to the local scrub store and got all my stuff, and I walked in, and I'm fairly short, I'm like five one. so my supervising physician, I had my white coat on, and she was just like, that's not going to work. She's like, yeah. you, she's like, I get mine from this place called Metalita and you need to order one. Like we're, mm-hmm. you can't wear that. So she was yeah. the one that kind of introduced me to it. And then I figured out that it was started by a PA, which I thought was the coolest thing ever. And, um, so yeah, so thank you for everything that you've done. And it's an honor to have you on the podcast and yeah, I kind of just want to hear how all yeah. this got started. Yeah, your story kind of reminds me of, um, I think my story and similar to so many people's story, you know, you go, you get so excited, you know, you finally got into school and you get to have a, a white coat and, you know, we were told to get our, you know, go buy our short white coat. They weren't provided, um, at least back in our day, mm-hmm. uh, a long time ago. This is so 19, um, 95, I'm looking for a, my first white coat for PA school and it was in New York, it was in Queens and I went, you know, I did some research and I, you know, went to the biggest store I could find locally and everything was just packed to the brim, like to the point where you couldn't even push anything over on a um, round rack in order to see the next item. And nothing was organized by brand or by style or by quality for sure. Um, And I, you know, I went from a extreme excitement um, to just absolute frustration and just angst over the fact that I couldn't find something in there that was flattering and comfortable. Um, and of really, you know, I wasn't looking for impeccable quality. I wasn't looking for a suit. I was just looking for something of decent, decent quality. Um, and I left there just feeling totally dejected. 
Um, and my friends tell me that that was my first real anger moment that in which I started to talk about, you know, maybe doing something. Um, so that was when and, you were in PA school. Yeah, that, that was when okay. I was in PA school. Um, and then, of course, through PA school, I was just wearing, you know, the traditional unisex scrubs. Um, someone from my undergrad had given me some free, you know, <laughs> Uh, Parkland hospital scrubs. I thought those were pretty cool because they had the Parkland stamp yeah. all over them. And, um, someone gave me that back in the day used to be like one green leg and one blue leg uh, scrubs. Seen those. The top was reversed where the other side was blue and the other side was green. That was really cool. Um, meanwhile, you know, <laughs> it just never fit quite right. And uh, I, I guess I repeatedly complained about um you know, just the comfort and the fact that your pants are held up by this really flimsy drawstring and the material kind of flows a lot like, you know, pajamas to you. And, um, you know, the top, I couldn't really get the size right. Um, Extra small is okay, but um, I think same as you, I couldn't get it to lay right over my hips. And then the small, the V-neck was way too low and I'd lift up my arm and patients could see my bra strap and um, with pants, the same thing, no matter what size I was in, the crotch was hanging somewhere near my knee. Um, it's just really uncomfortable. And to think about working in something, you know, 10, 12, 14 hours a day, um, and commuting also in that same garment that you feel, um, uncomfortable and somewhat lacking in confidence. I, um, it was just a slow development of consistency, um, of, really never seeing any other option and just being flabbergasted by the fact that um, so many women are working in medicine and we, you know, the unspoken rule that we want to be differentiated from our colleagues um, and we want to be quickly um, viewed as a clinician uh, and a very competent clinician and Granted, I was working at the time in um, inner city Queens. I mean, it's not a fashion mecca, you know, I'm just there to work. But still, you know, you just, for goodness sake, you just want to be comfortable. Um, and then I'm professional. I feel like that was yeah. the one thing, like, I never felt like I looked professional when all my clothes were just too big and baggy. Yeah. And it really, it felt like I was wearing pajamas, which sometimes felt nice if I was lazy, but... Other yeah. times, I mean, I already, I kind of look young. And so yeah. when I'm swimming in my clothes, it just makes me look younger. It doesn't, doesn't help. Mm -mm. Uh, so then I thought I was going to have the polar opposite of that experience. So then I um, switched coasts. I came out to California um, to be closer to family. And um, uh, I got a job at perhaps the most, um, you know, I went from total inner city to everybody's a VIP emergency room. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody's donated and everybody knows this chief of staff and everybody's too good for the hallway, you know, kind of a place. And I thought immediately I would be issued these scrubs and lab code that would, you know, be different and be of quality. That surely they are distributing something to differentiate us and to be in line with our community and the expectations of our community. Nope, I think I got worse scrubs um, 
in California than I did at this hospital than I did in New York. And the poor group manager, she kept trying. Um, she tried so hard and uh, scrub after scrub, lab coat after lab coat. She finally ended up with um, like a funnel leg um, pant. Uh, it was awful. <laughs> That's kind of in style now, but at the time it was terrible. And um, just the boxiest, ugliest, most uncomfortable top. And my lab coat material was so abrasive that I would literally get um, red elbows after mm -hmm. my shift. We used to we used to write, you know, back in the day. <laughs> True. Uh, right. <laughs> and um, you know, you're just writing, writing, writing really fast all day long, and and I would just have raw elbows after after a shift from my um, beautiful abrasive lab coat. And uh, I finally, finally decided, you know, maybe I should do something about this. That's so cool. So you, how long did you practice or how long had you been practicing at that point when you kind of said, all right, I'm done or not done practicing, but I'm done wearing terrible scrubs. Yeah, I was about, um, let's see. I graduated in 1999. I, oh, I misspoke on my, my piece when I was looking for a coat first. It was, I started PS school in 1997 and I graduated in 1999. Um, and I worked in Queens, um, in a very PA friendly, um, the pediatric ER was just really run by PAs um, until 2002. And then um, I moved out here, worked um, in Mission Viejo until 2006. And that's when I got serious about starting Metalita. And then I switched to urgent care um, and worked in urgent care until about May of 2008, when I realized that I couldn't do both mm -hmm. uh, and that I should give Metalita a chance to be successful and devote all my time um, to that. And, uh, um, and here we are about 10 years later. So, yeah, no, it's amazing. Um, I'm sure you've seen a lot of changes just in how business is done too with internet and social media and all this crazy yeah, that's stuff. That's been a huge, huge learning curve for us. It's different to have started, a business at the beginning of all that um, while Google was changing its rules every single day um, and there weren't the platforms for social media as there are now they were just coming into play you know and we made some really big mistakes in the beginning we put all our money into um, uh, journals and I, I can't believe it even saying it now but we invested thousands and thousands of dollars monthly into these big beautiful ads in all the most prestigious journals and that didn't that didn't work too well <laughs> um, you know it's a lot to ask someone first to actually read the journal um, and then notice that page and then take action on that page and go to the website and then convert it just wasn't giving us the results we needed um, to support our business so Interesting. Um, yeah we recognize that maybe not soon enough but um, enough to, to make some pivots and to really start dabbling in um, uh, having an online presence. Cool. What, when you first proposed this idea, I mean, how did you go about that? What were your, the reactions from your friends, family, colleagues? I know when I first started my website, my husband was kind of like, which mine is not to the scale yours is and completely different, but he was just kind of like, well, if you want to go for it, like, I don't really know how to help you, but that's fine. Go for it. Yeah, it, it definitely takes 
um, a lot of support. Um, I, it's funny, I, every week, every month of my whole life, I've always been an inventor, like a mental inventor. I never took action. Um, my dad was always entertained by these, <laughs> these ideas that I came up with, but he never really pushed me to do something about any of them. Um, and I remember we were, my family was all together. We went to Santa Barbara and we're um, celebrating my dad's birthday. And I told him about this idea and I happened to have driven up there after a shift. Um, so I was still in my scrubs. I was really just demonstrating, you know, the phoenix hanging too low and I can see my bra strap and my pants are so uncomfortable. And a kid today, you know, caught the loop of my drawstring with his damn toe and my pants start coming off, you know, like, you know, and he's like, whoa, and he can really see and visualize how truly terrible this is. Um, and I did at that point start talking about professionalism and um, how, you know, it's your outer display of aptitude. And I had all these words that I was so passionate about. And he, he was like, you should do something about that. It was the first time, maybe just so shocking that he finally said you should do something about that. Um, uh, and I did, and I started to write a business plan and I started to research performance fabrics, which were just truly coming into play at that time. Um, 2006, kind of when we were starting to really take note that um, Lulu and Athleta and Patagonia and, and some of the big athletic players were um, introducing fabrics that really did something for the wearer. I thought that was very cool. They were taking like what we consider sweaty workout gear and just transforming that industry. Mm -hmm. uh, I was fascinated by that. Um, I was fascinated by the prices and the willingness of people to pay um, a higher amount for improved seaming, improved fabrics, improved fit, improved comfort, you know, they just wanted it. And um, I thought, why not apply those same um, technical principles to um, fabric for people working in medicine? Because I, I, you know, I was, this is before kids and everything, I was super tiny. I was like, maybe 110 pounds. And you still, you put some OR light over me and you want me to do facial, you know, um, sutures on some kid with some brow lacerations, screaming bloody murder and some papoose. I'm going to sweat, you know, and it's, you can't always control the temperature where you are. And um, it's really hard work. And I thought, why not find or invent a fabric that prevents odors from trapping in the garment and also just keeps you cool? Um, I thought that would be great for the scrubs. And I thought, yeah, I did a lot of research on the history of um, lab coats and the color and, you know, the, the baffling nature of wearing a white coat in the emergency room and, um, you know, thought, why not find some sort of um, repellency or stain resistant material that could really allow you to keep your coat white, you know, a symbolism of prestige, prestige and um, accomplishment. Uh, there has to be something out there. Um, it was a very, very difficult time to come up with a concept like that because the, the um, um, economy was very good. And you call any of these patent holders for these um, specialized fibers and they literally hang up on you. Um, they just are not interested. They probably get hundreds of calls a day. Also say, I'm a startup. I have this idea. Um, and I had one that took me seriously. 
one. She wouldn't meet me at my, you know, in my town or anything, but we decided to meet halfway. Um, and we, she opened her suitcase and introduced me to different options and taught me a little bit about knits versus wovens and, um, <laughs> asked me what I, what I liked and what weight I thought was correct. And, um, you know, gave me a couple contacts and then, um, drove up to her, uh, appointment that afternoon at Patagonia. And I thought, you know, this is it. I'm going to make this work. That is so, that is awesome. so awesome. So it sounds like, it sounds like the first the step first was just step a lot of a lot. research and just yeah. figuring out kind of logistics and yeah. what you wanted it to be. What, I know you talked about kind of advertising made some mistakes. What other just challenges and what, what difficulties did you come across? Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. process yeah. baffles my mind. Yeah, we're just wrought with difficulties. <laughs> um, nobody that I was really getting help from um, had apparel experience. Um, and I tell people, I used to think working in the ER was so hard. Like, oh my gosh, like waiting on radiology, waiting on this specialist, waiting on a consult, you know, waiting on a bed, you know, waiting on labs, like um, waiting for a clean room, anything, you know, I, I was just, I thought that was so stressful until I entered, um, you know, the world of apparel mm-hmm. and how you have so many obstacles um, to overcome. Uh, and you might order something, but that might not be how it arrives. And you might have approved a certain color, but that might not be what you get, you know, and you might have been, um, have agreed and have a contract for a certain timeline and you need your fabric to arrive by this date. Otherwise, the sewing factory is um, booked for your specific order. But if the fabric doesn't arrive or the trim doesn't arrive, um, you're screwed. Like, it, it's just endless number of things. Like, um, if one simple tag or one zipper, one um, thread color doesn't arrive, you know, on time, it can totally sabotage, like, your whole um, setup for that particular order. And I didn't realize how many components there were uh, that I would have to manage um, in order to, to get it right. Um, and, and granted, I didn't know a lot about um, textiles. You know, the first fabric that we ordered was for the lab coats was 100% cotton and it was a little bit too thick and heavy and uh, the color wasn't quite right, you know, a little yellowish gray, you know. Um, but thank goodness, you know, a lot of people believed in what we were doing and um, saw the need for what we were doing and stuck with us. Um, and some people still swear by their 100% cotton coats, but um, but we definitely have the, a better fabric uh, now. Um, interestingly, we still use the same fabric for our scrubs that we started with in 2008. Okay, cool. That's yeah, for, at least for our modern fit line, we do. Okay, because I've, I've tried some of the newer... I think you have the elements. That's, that's a new fabric that mm-hmm. I developed in the last um, about three years. Uh, it takes a really, really, really long time to get a fabric right. A lot of companies, most companies, I would say they buy available fabrics. They go to a fabric show, and there's thousands and millions of fabrics available, and they choose off the shelf, but we've never, ever done that. Hmm. Uh, we have specific requirements for drape. We have you know, very specific requirements for the weight, um, what's uh, called the GSM of the fabric, and uh, uh, 
the thing that we're most stringent about is our durability um, because a lot of our garments are industrial laundered um, and they, you know, we, we tell a mill, you know, I need this white fabric to withstand 160 degrees Fahrenheit for 24 minutes each wash every average five to seven days. And they tell us we're absolutely out of our mind. Um, so durability is a huge focus of our brand um, and our reputation and our, our one-year guarantee and um, uh, to learn all about the test, the third-party testing process and what these fibers and eventual yarn and eventual fabric must be willing to withstand in order to um, be appropriate um, and professional for our work environment. Um, it's, it's remarkable. Um, it's great fun when it, when it does work out, but it's a bear of a process, you know, to, to get to that point. Yeah. It's, it's almost like a different kind of science. Like medicine is one type of science and you're now in a very different science, but still the same. Yeah. All our fabrics, they undergo about 30 to 50 different tests every time we complete well, either when we're in development with a new fabric or when we're completing a, um, a new order of fabric. Um, and they have to meet all those requirements exactly in order to pass. Um, the only other industry that does anything similar to that is um, uh, the tactile industry, which is, you know, for government um, uh, uniforms. Interesting. Well, and it's kind of our uniform. I mean, I can speak to the durability because I still have the same white coat that I started with three years ago. And I mean, need to get <laughs> no, I, have, I did get a new one. I have two now, but I switch them off. But I do. Um, yeah, I mean, I wash it every week and it looks great and it's white and I work in dermatology. So I get all kinds of stuff on me <laughs> and it just kind of rolls off and good to go. If I get something on me, I wipe it off and there's, I mean, it's great. I, I definitely appreciate all the work that I didn't know had gone into making my coat the way it is. So yeah, yeah that's very, very interesting. And we, we probably don't talk about that side of it enough, but that is the yeah. most difficult side sort of behind the scenes of what we're doing and why we're so dedicated. It's way easier, you know, to make a garment that is seasonal that, you know, is going to, um, last you know i don't know five ten wears and then you're bored with it or done with it but this is this is different you know it it should last a very long time and um be something that washes really well do you ever miss um practicing as a pa or are you yeah, just... i do yeah <laughs> i do so much really yeah i really loved it i really i was mainly ptr um and uh was just really good at listening to the patient to get my diagnosis. My, my greatest mentor, uh, Larry Herman, who has been a president and he's very, very well known, um, in our profession. He taught me so much. Um, and I just thrived in that environment and I, it was very stressful, but I, of course I do miss it, you know? Um, it's been kind of a long time. I've had, three kids and you know we've you know developed the business and uh, medicine's changed quite a bit um but i um i keep my license up to date and okay uh, maybe if uh 
things, I don't know, settle down or something. I could go back part-time or something. But, um, right now I'm just, you know, enjoying the kids when they're young and I'm, I'm still here about 40 hours a week. So. Okay, cool. What, how has your team grown? I mean, did it start with just you and where are you at kind of yeah. now? Started with just me. Um, when I was getting on the plane to go to Asia to meet our suppliers um, in uh, 2007, my husband, oh no, my fiance thought it would be a good idea maybe to go with me to have a male presence, you know, and that particular culture might be of value. Uh, and it definitely was. He has a background in um, uh, carpet manufacturing, which is very, very similar to textile manufacturing. Um, and they were impressed with that. It was a good, um, it, it made for a, a really good relationship early on. They saw how serious we were and how knowledgeable we were or pretended to be. Um, and uh, then it started with just us. We, we hired one uh, customer service person like around 2008. And then we had a part-time accountant coming in maybe once a week. Um, and now I think we have about... Um, maybe about 24, 25 employees. Um, and uh, just a really strong team. We've we've grown out of three different spaces, which is exciting. And eventually we decided to bring everything together in-house. So all of our embroidery is in-house. I could go down right now and talk to them about a logo or um, talk to them about like a special color selection. It's so valuable to have that. Um, and then all of our uh, shipping, outbound shipping, returns exchanges is all also in-house, um, which is also extremely valuable to see, you know, what are people ordering, what's coming back in, what's getting exchanged, are they going up or down in size, um, uh, did they send anything back for warranty, like you just, to have those discussions in person and to see these things right away is, it just makes for a stronger team. Um, and a stronger company. That's so cool. Yeah, if I ever make it out to California, I want to come visit you yeah. guys. I know Ariel said we could do that. <laughs> yeah, come come in. We'll take you for a tour. We'll go to lunch. We would really like that. That would be awesome. Do you, What about the design part? Is that something you do, or how does that happen? I my, The new line of scrubs, um, I will tell you, everyone talks about how flattering they are, and I'm... 24 weeks pregnant and they still look flattering. I don't know how long that's going to last, but that's exciting. Yes. Congratulations. Thanks. Uh, yeah. So the designing, I did um, all of the designing until we hired someone in house, maybe about two years ago um, because we were really ramping up. Um, we do a lot of um, custom orders too. I don't think people realize like we just, outfitted um, the most expensive hospital in world history um, with, I think, 40 different custom uh, designs for a Middle East hospital, which was very cool. culturally sensitive and a very interesting fashion forward project um, in Dubai. Um, and we just needed more manpower. Um, so again, we, we have a team in-house that works on the designs and works on the patterns. And I, I still influence that aspect of the business a lot. I enjoy that aspect of the business a lot and they rely on me heavily uh, and my friend, my PA friends that I call all the time uh, if I'm not sure of something. Um, 
in regard to functionality um, and ergonomics, um, you know, we don't just put it on and ask them how it feels. I mean, we, we go up and down the stairs, we go outside, we sit down, we get on the floor, we bend over like a mock stretcher, like we reach for this and that, and we use all our tools. And, um, you know, they just need my help with that, you know, how to wear the stethoscope in various ways and um, what they would put over here and how they would use this piece and how would their badge, what are the different types of badges people are using nowadays and where would they place them, all these different things. Um, and so that that's how I, I still influence styling as well as definitely functionality. Cool. That's really interesting. Um, and I've seen the y'all are featured on The Good Doctor, which is yeah. so cool. I think, yeah. I mean, that is just the coolest thing to me. Every time I watch, I'm like, oh, look, like I have a coat too, you know? We're on a lot of shows. Like um, maybe we don't talk that enough, but it's uh, – our garments photograph really well, um, and we're close to LA, so um, I think it's a little bit easier to order, especially our lab coats, um, and have a really good fit. They tend to wear them mm -hmm. extra tight, but that's fine, you know, on a TV show. Um, you know, and their stylists are really funny. They always do things last minute, and they call us at like 4.45, um, like on a Tuesday, and tell us they need everything um, by eight o'clock in the morning, like you know, 50 garments, you know, the next morning. Um, and we've just gotten used to it. It's fun. We love seeing our stuff on television. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's the current show that we're featured on. Yeah, that is so cool. What is, um, if you can pick one, what mm -hmm. is your favorite product? Mm -hmm. um, today? <laughs> uh, wow. I have to pick just one. Sure. Mm -hmm. I, I can tell you, I got my husband um, the Ionic jacket. He's a resident, so he's yeah. um, at the hospital all the time. I got him the jacket for Valentine's Day, and he <laughs> loves it. Like, he doesn't take it off. And yeah. he says all of his resident friends are so jealous and, like, where, like where'd you get that jacket? It has your name on it, dude. Like, why can't yeah. I have one? So, yeah. That's a good yeah, one. Jacket, the men's jacket is just flying out. Like uh, women's too, but the guys just for some reason, maybe women have more choices in jackets similar to that, but the men are just like addicted to that, especially in the black. Um, okay, I really, I really love Vera. The Vera lab coat, I think it's a, extremely flattering on almost all women. Um, it's a really unique. Um, an envelope collar. No one's ever done that before. Another company um, in our space definitely copied it soon after, which was frustrating. Um, but that was our our uh, unique design. Um, because a garment is washed so much in medicine, at least weekly, sometimes hopefully biweekly, um, you know, the, the lapel and collar can kind of, unless it's, it doesn't have to be pressed, but it, you know, you just, it looks better sometimes when it's pressed or pressed occasionally. And the Vera, you just don't have to worry about it. It's not popping up. It's not on top or below your stethoscope. Like, it's just perfect all the time. And it's just very flattering. It kind of falls into the traditional nature, but a little bit out of the box, too. Um, a lot of women we find um, in medicine don't want to go too far out of the box. They want to fit in with their male colleagues. 
um, and they don't want to look overly feminine. So Vera still fits into that category. Um, it's just very flattering. It's it's very innovative um, um, and very slimming. I, I love it. Um, I, I also really like uh, Miranda. Um, I like the skirted back on Miranda. I think it's very beautiful and feminine without being like overly feminine. So it's very professional to me. Well, that's so. why I, I wear the LED just because, again, I'm petite and yeah. it's perfect. I mean, it hits me right where it needs to so that yeah. I still look professional and my coat isn't at my knees, which is. Yeah. I, I watched your video about that and I was just going to let you know, obviously, LED is made for you. Um, we do have another coat coming out soon um, that will also work for you, similar to Elodie. And you could also wear Vera beautifully, too. You just have to get the sleeves hemmed. Get a hem okay. I need to try that one. Try that yeah. one next. But, yeah. All right. We've covered a lot. I guess yeah. my last question would just be, I get approached sometimes since I kind of do website stuff on the side and um, about can I be a PA and still do something else? Like I have these other interests. How does that fit together? And I feel like you've done a great job of just kind of pursuing being a PA, but then finding this other great passion too. What would your advice be to those people? <laughs> I, do, I do get a lot of calls. I'm happy to talk to anyone that has an idea. Um, I did just talk to an amazing PA last week who had an idea. Um, you know, related to underwear, and I, I gave her as much information as I could. Um, so work-life balance, that's, um, that's a tricky thing, especially um, when you start to have children. Um, I think as long as you're not necessarily making anything or making something from scratch, and the amount of time and resources and money that goes into something like that is scary. Um, I'll just be totally honest. Um, you know, we have to put money down on, on yarn to make yarn a year before we have any chance of seeing a profit from that investment. Hmm. That's risky. It's hard. Like it's been a rough go. Like, um, you know, we've learned so much, but, um, in your case, if you have a social media platform, um, or um, like Brian Wallace's um, platform where he's, you know, writing questions and helping people prepare for their boards. Um, I would just, I, I think that might be a little bit better so that you can, you can at least work still part-time, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I didn't fully know what I was getting into when I had this idea. I didn't realize um, every ounce of energy of my being would be required at all times. Um, and keep in mind, I do a lot of, I'm, I'm at work now, but I also, as soon as five o'clock hits, everyone's going home, but that's when all my contacts in Asia want to talk to me. So they want to talk to me between like five and midnight. So it's, it's just like this never ending process. Um, I, basically, I think anybody can do anything they set their mind to do. We're obviously a very, esteemed intelligent you know profession and we're cap if you made it this far you're a pa like you can do anything you know it's just a matter of um how much you want to give of yourself to and how much you want to sacrifice you know i wish i had more time with my kids when they were little um 
you know, I wish I could pick them up from school. Um, I wish I could um, just be the mom that I always imagined being. I wish that I could be working three days a week, three tens, three twelves, whatever, um, so that I could have that downtime. Um, you know, it was really, really healthy. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't necessarily love the way I answer that question, but I have to be honest and say that this is truly, truly difficult to, to make something from scratch. Um, so to, to have an idea that you can promote or to have like a platform, you know, like, um, there's a lot of things that you can do where you don't necessarily have to make it um, um, or manufacture it. And I think that is ideal, you know, for, for someone that's a PA and for proper work-life balance. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all in at this point. We'll keep going <laughs> and keep making great stuff. I'm totally committed to that. Um, but just not, not the, um, definitely far from easy, you know? Yeah. Well, I can say as a PA, I definitely just appreciate what you're doing for not just the medical community, but for PAs. And I think it shows people that, like you said, like if you're a PA, you can do anything. We're really hard workers and we have ideas and a lot of us are like you, like a go-getter and we're going to make things happen. Definitely. Like all of us, you know, we just figure things out. You know, you might not know the answer. You might not know the diagnosis, but I guarantee you're going to figure it out. You will not have graduated from PA school if you don't have that mindset. Same thing in an entrepreneurial fashion. You're going to figure it out. You're going to find resources. You're going to um, make it work. You're going to raise money. Whatever you have to do, um, and eventually, um, whatever you set your mind to will will be. I, I think as a PA, you're much more likely to be successful than the average statistic, which is. Um, abysmally low for success in a company you know so oh, i agree um, well thank you so much for sharing your insights yeah i, I enjoy talking to you and um yeah. so that was a really fun interview for me just because i loved hearing about how a very completely different business works and how it got started and all of the challenges and i don't know if if fashion or scrubs or anything like that is something you're interested in but i think it's cool to hear that you can be a PA and explore ventures like that. So if you are listening, make sure to go to Instagram today and we are giving away a men's scrub jacket and a women's lab coat that's there. So we're giving away Laura's two favorite products and I'm so excited. So make sure you go to Instagram today. And if you miss out, we'll probably do some more giveaways in the future but that's that's the big one for for now and then yeah check out Metalita see what they have to offer if you're looking for new scrubs or a scrub jacket you can use the code PA platform one in all caps to get 25% off of your order and if you go to one of the blog post links in my description I believe you get an extra discount on your very first order. So just something to keep in mind if you're looking for something new to try out, some new scrubs or something. And if you have any questions, as always, feel free to let me know. And I hope you have a good week. See you next time.